Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief. That was the sole purpose. Purpose, yes, to glorify his father. But to save mankind from their sin. That was his first coming. His second coming is going to come as king. He's going to come as king. So he came to save sinners. And Jesus is our example. He comes and he seeks the sinner. Let's look at two passages of scripture. Luke chapter 19. We know why he came. And let's look at his example. Luke chapter 19. And uh, verse number nine. And Jesus said unto him, this day of salvation come to this house. For so much is he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10 is what I wanted to get to. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus, as our example, was seeking sinners. That's what it says. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we can't save anybody. We know Jesus Christ is the Savior. But Christ is our example. We should be actively seeking sinners, actively seeking those that are lost so we can bring the good news to them. You know, Jesus said a lot when he was walking on on earth during his earthly ministry. He said a lot of times, follow me. I mean, he was actively involved with people. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Let's start reading at verse 32 As they went out behold They brought to him a dumb man Possessed with a devil And when the devil was cast out The dumb spake And the multitudes marveled saying It was never so seen in Israel But the Pharisees said He casteth out devils Through the prince of the devils Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now, the gospel of the kingdom, we already did some messages on that, understanding the different gospels and placing them in the right time frame. So we're not going to get into that. But the next verse is something I want us to look at as Christ is our example. But when he saw the multitudes, that tells me, one, he was out with the people. He was out with the multitudes. He was actively seeking people. We we went through that. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Now, we are by no means expert sheep herders. (laughs) We uh, We do have 14 sheep. and Depending on who has sheep duty, that would be who the shepherd would be. 
if it's me or Josiah or sometimes Hannah, but it's amazing how dumb sheep are. They really need a shepherd to guide them. Let me give you an example. The back pasture, we have our sheep. The front pasture, we have our four pigs and our four chickens. Well, we thought we might have to do some pasture management in the back pasture, so we wanted to move the sheep into the front pasture, which wouldn't be a problem if they didn't get to the gate and see four ugly pigs. And you see them, their demeanor completely changed. You know what they did? They scattered. They scattered. That's a fun sight to see. And you can make a lot of biblical application there. And it didn't matter if you had a bucket of sweet feed. It didn't matter what you did. Those sheep completely scattered. Like that. And the one lamb that was in there realized that the rest of the herd wasn't in there. And realized she was a lot smaller than the pigs. Pigs aren't going to hurt them. But they don't know that. You see her hopping around. When sheep get stressed, you know how high they can hop? Four or five foot in the air. Yeah. You can see her. I can see her starting to get stressed. So I'm like, if she gets more stressed and tries to hop over this fence, she's going to get herself caught in the barbed bar. wire. So get her out. Find the other herd. And long story short, we ended up just putting the sheep right back in the back pasture. But they immediately scattered. Jesus Christ looks at us as lost sheep, sees that we're just scattered about, sees that we have no shepherd. And when he looks at us, he looks and he has, guess what? Compassion. Now, if we were, if we were all trying to get those sheep to go where we wanted them to go, compassion quickly turns to I'm going to kick that sheep. <laughs> I'm going to throw something at that sheep. I'm going to do something. Compassion just goes out the window. But not Jesus Christ. And he is our example when we are witnessing to the lost. They're scattered abroad, yet Jesus Christ, our chief shepherd, our example, he was moved with compassion. We likewise should be moved with compassion when we see the multitudes and we know that they're lost. Jesus came to save sinners. We see the example of Jesus actively seeking the sinner. And turn to John chapter 3. We're going to also notice that Jesus doesn't get sidetracked with questions. Have you ever spoken to a lost person? Have you ever tried witnessing to somebody? And they ask you a question and you answer that one. They ask you another one. And by the end of it, you're so far gone down so many rabbit trails that you haven't even given them the gospel. You're trying to play catch up before they leave. You ever do that? I mean, that happens quite often. But Jesus is our example. The questions can come at him. I mean, he's the Lord. But the questions come at him and he never gets off track. He always gets across what needs to be said. And look at John chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, 
ruler of the Jews. That's somebody that knows a lot. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Well, that's a religious person that knows some Bible. <laughs> and there's a lot of religious people that know some Bible. Just pick one. They know a lot of they know enough about the Bible to get themselves straight into hell. Because religion always enslaves and Jesus is the only one that saves. Jesus answered and said unto him, that's a religious man. That's a guy that knows some stuff. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, here's the first question. How can a man be born when he is old? Second question. How can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus is very brief. He tells him he's got to be born again. And here comes Nicodemus's questions. Now, Jesus could have went into all the details on how he creates. He could have went into all the details on how a baby is born. He could have went into he could have got so far off track. But he didn't because the questions don't sidetrack Jesus Christ. He goes on. Verily, verily, verse five, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit. You see how briefly he answers the question and then he says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. And he's right back into the main crux of the gospel message that you must be born again. You know, have you, you, you can say to somebody, have you ever been born again? Oh, yeah, I go to church all the time. <laughs> have you ever been born again? Oh, yeah, I was baptized in the church when I was so. Yeah, but have you ever been born again? Mom, my daddy was a preacher. Have you ever been born again? No, I'm good. Well, all those questions can get you off track. You never get the gospel out. When those types of questions come up, you know where you go? John chapter 3. And you just show them Nick at night. Nicodemus. You show them Nicodemus. He was a religious man that knew a lot, but he wasn't born again. Don't be intimidated by somebody that knows a lot about the Bible or, you know, spiritual things. Because most times they don't give you a testimony of salvation. You're going to have to do a lot of backtracking. You're going to have to do a lot of listening and not get too off track. Verse number nine, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, said unto him, Art thou master of Israel and knowest not these things? In other words, wait a minute. You know so much, Nicodemus. You should know. I'm the Messiah. I'm right here. You should know this. But he didn't. And a lot of times we just simply have to call out, call it as it is. Look, you should know, but you don't. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how should you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No man hath ascended up to heaven. He that come down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven, 
And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Here it is, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? A lasting life. God sent not a son to the world, condemned the world, the world through him might be saved. He doesn't get off track. The questions don't sidetrack. John 4. Same thing. Then saith, verse number 9, John 4. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Here it comes. Another question. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Question one. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Again, man, just let's go into the creation week and explain the cattle and explain how I brought up the water. And But he doesn't. He doesn't get off track. He says, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Can you relate to that? You know how simple the gospel is. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know how simple it is for somebody to understand, especially in the summer. But anywhere, if I had to give you a glass of water to drink, are you going to be cured of thirst forever? No. When are you going to be thirsty again? In the next 15 minutes, amen, that's right. You're going to have to go and drink again. So that's simple to understand. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst but the water that i shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life he never gets off track it doesn't matter what's going on jesus can take the situation and he can stay on track with the gospel and guess what the water um the birth that he was talking about in John 3 was a physical birth versus spiritual birth. The water that he's talking about in John chapter 4 is what? Physical water versus spiritual water. Questions don't sidetrack him. Jesus actively seeks the sinner. We know why he came to seek uh, to save that which is lost. And let's look at the compassion of Jesus. A little more detail. Get Mark 5, please. Mark chapter 5.
let's see. Verse number 17, they began to pray him to depart out of the coast. And when he came on the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. When you leave a one-on-one -on -one encounter with a lost person, When they go home and talk to their friends, I hope they don't say that Christian witness was rude. I hope they don't say that Christian witness was really said some things that were really a little off for a Christian to say. I hope they go home and say. Even if they don't get saved, I hope they go to their friends and they say. I met this Christian. I didn't agree with everything they had to say, but they had some compassion. They were understanding. They listened. It's one thing to have the truth and be compassionate. It's a whole nother thing to use the truth to try to show other people how great you are. And you lose the whole focus of giving God the glory. They went home and said, Jesus has compassion. Is he our example? We need to be compassionate. I know lost people can wear you out. When you do a lot of public ministry, you'll find out very quickly that it's frustrating when people mock your Savior and people thumb their nose at the good news of Christ and they say crass, sarcastic, demeaning things to you. It is. Eat it. Deal with it. Christ went to the cross. You can handle somebody saying to you, eh, I don't want what you got. I mean, that's about the worst of it. Might get a little worse, but that's about it. No one's harming you. So have compassion. Have compassion. Even if they don't agree, be compassionate. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Verse one, in those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him and saith unto them. I have compassion on the multitude. Because they have now been with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way. For divers of them came from far. You got people coming afar off to meet Jesus. And to hear Jesus and to be with Jesus. They're with him for three days. They traveled a long distance. They're hungry. Oh, they can go to the market, get their own food. <laughs> yeah, they could, but, you know, he says kind of what would happen. Or he looks on them and says, I've got compassion on those people. That's our savior. That's our example. It isn't wrong to get someone's number. It isn't wrong to follow up with somebody. It isn't wrong to take someone out for a cup of coffee and sit down. Hey, can we can we spend some more time talking about spiritual things? It isn't wrong to have the neighbor come over and share some food with them and talk to them about Jesus. Okay. Have compassion on people. 
and find ways where you can connect with them on a physical level that allows you to get into the spiritual realm. Nicodemus, physical versus natural birth, and the fact that he was a religious man, Jesus related to that. John chapter 4, spiritual versus physical. Mark chapter 8, hungering, he feeds them. Guess what else he's going to feed them? The word. You see, he, he's able to tie in everything in the physical realm to the spiritual realm. realm. That's, our, that's our Savior. Jesus Christ, he talked very plainly to people. He didn't cut any corners. You knew what he meant, but he was never rude. You know where, who, who did Jesus slam the most? Who did he give all the woes to? It was the hypocrites. It was the religious people, the scribes, the Pharisees, all that whole crowd. That's who he really ripped into and let him have. All those hypocrites. All right, we'll move on. This is a tough, tough uh, got tongue tied. It's a touchy word here we're going to move into. Get Matthew 4. Matthew 4. This is the first word that Jesus used when he began to preach. Watch what it is. It's a bad word nowadays. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach. So this is Jesus beginning to what? Preach, right? We just read it. And to say, watch the first word he says when he begins to preach. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is necessary for salvation. Now that gets ugly because people get mixed up in some doctrine and some theology. And so they figure that they're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because somebody or some group or some person teaches that you have to repent of all your sins and clean your life up and then come to God and then he'll save you. Which is wrong. That doesn't mean we throw repentance out. It just means we get a biblical understanding of repentance. Repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to repent towards God, you've got to turn from something. What have you been trusting in? What was the idol in your life? I was trusting in religion. You were trusting in just fill in the blank. But Jesus starts with repentance. You're a sinner. you got to realize that. And people say, well, you know. Should you repent of your sin or not repent of your sin? You should repent. Here's where it gets tricky. You're not telling people to get rid of all the sins in their life. And then Jesus will become Lord of your life. You're telling people that you are a sinner and you need to repent and trust in Jesus Christ because you are a sinner. And after you get saved, 
the Lord will start cleaning up your life because you have the indwelt Holy Spirit. Because prior to that, you couldn't have cleaned up your whole life in a spiritual way. No way. And then daily, you're going to have to repent. When I got saved, I was still doing sins that I didn't know were sins. What, did I not get saved? No, I grew in the word. I had other Christians teach me the Bible and show me things. And I said, oh, you know what? I'm convicted about that. I should stop doing that. If that weren't the case, nobody would get saved. Because there's no way you can get rid of all your sins. And then come to the Lord. It's impossible. You've got to come to the Lord empty-handed as you are, realizing you're a sinner. Repentance toward God. That means you're turning from something. You're having a change of mind about that something. And you're putting your full faith and trust in Jesus' merit. That's called repentance. You're repenting. Matthew 12. <clears throat> Matthew 12, verse 41. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. Repentance. Jesus preached it. He's our example. Luke. Five. Luke five. Luke 5. Verse 31. And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. <laughs> Can I, the line I like to use a lot is with the gospel track. Can I give you some good news of Jesus? No, I'm good. Okay. And if I can still catch him, I'll say, well, according to the Bible, it says there's none that do with good. No, not one. So according to God, you're really not that good. And sometimes I'll get him to stop and argue back. <laughs> it's good. I said, no, I'm good. Okay, keep going. If that man dies without Jesus Christ, guess where he goes? Not the city dump. <laughs> Not a barbecue that got too hot for a few days. He drops him to hell. We don't want that. We want them to know Jesus Christ so they can be born again and not go to hell. Somebody's sick. I don't need to go to the doctor. I'm good. Guess what's going to happen? I'm going to die. Your eyeball's falling out. You got blood coming out of your arm. You got a tumor growing out of your head. Your skin turned blue. You got one toe that falls off every day. And you still don't want to go to the doctor. You're good. Okay, you're good. You're going to die. And God says, look, I can't help you. 
if you're good, then okay, you're good. He calls who to repentance. Let's look at it. It would be sinners. It would be sinners. Not the righteous, but sinners. You need to stop somebody, and when they say, can I give you some good news of Jesus? You want someone that says, yeah, what you got? I don't think I'm that, my life isn't going that great. There's got to be repentance. Until someone repents, they don't, they're not going to get it. All right, Luke 13, we'll move onward and upward. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, verse number, verse number three. I think that's right. I think I've got it. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Is everybody convinced that Jesus preached repentance? Okay, amen. Let's get Acts. Let's see what Paul has to say. Went over this a little bit, but let's go there. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and taught you publicly. And from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Here it is. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that clear enough for repentance? It's toward God. It's toward faith. It's toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Because prior to it, it was toward something else. All right, 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Hope you're taking notes back there, Seth. I'm going to give you a test, man. Make sure you get all this. First Corinthians chapter two. I'm only kidding. First Corinthians chapter two. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declared unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. You guys know a lot of stuff about a lot of stuff, don't you? Don't miss out knowing Jesus Christ. Verse 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That's Paul's life as an example to us. I determined not to anything, know anything among you save Jesus Christ. I'm not going to use enticing words. Go over to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 number 6. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. 
Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You are God's, you're God's building. Who gets the glory? God. Who gives the increase? God. And we are all individually accountable to God. Paul really, he got a hold of that. He knew it was for God. Now, the gospel. Are we only supposed to get it at the church house? Let's see. We'll run a few verses and we'll be done. Let's get Acts chapter 5. Acts 5. I'm going to show you some basic examples of the gospel where it's not being preached at any type of formal, organized service. Acts 5.42 And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That's just in people's regular everyday house. Go to Acts 8.4 Here's another one, Acts 8, 4. As for, uh, verse 4, to, uh, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. It didn't matter where they went. You know what they did? They preached the word. It wasn't like we're doing now. Go to verse 29 in Acts chapter 8. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. Heard him read the prophet Esaias and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation. His judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Where? On a chariot. And a house, everywhere they went, and a chariot, no organized service. Here's what we have for us. We can go on. There's plenty of examples. We can go through the whole book of Acts. But the gospel is not to just be kept inside the four walls of the church house. It's the responsibility of all Christians. Go to 1 Corinthians 9. And we'll finish with this thought. Witnessing is the responsibility of us all. First Corinthians 9. Watch this. We'll finish up. First Corinthians 9. Verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. 
but if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. He's willing to serve. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. You know, Jesus, the example, how he spoke to Nicodemus, that's a Jew. He related to him. Verse 21, to them that are without law as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I may gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Verse 23, and this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. We're going to finish out this chapter. Watch what it says in verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Run the race. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I. Not as one that beateth the air, but I bring under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We need to be in the race. He said, go out into the highway and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I'd ask you this week, find a creature. And preach the gospel to Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.